All right, we are kicking off hour two from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Hour one in the books. Hockey talk with the Flames announcing their prospect roster ahead of their training camp starting on September 14th at Winsport. For the prospects, head off for the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton, B.C. Chat about that and about the Vancouver Canucks naming Quinn Hughes as their 15th captain in team history with our pal Bick Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. So if you missed any of that, check it out wherever you get your favorite podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcast or the podcasts go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. You're going to change the focus in hour two over to football. CFL and NFL chat uh, coming up here. We'll do an NFL roundup a little bit later on, but we're going to start the hour off going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to welcome in producer extraordinaire on the big show with Russick and Rose and one of our Stan Peters reporters here on Sportsnet 960. We'll bring in Patrick Dumas to chat about uh, a really disheartening loss for the Calgary Stampeders Saturday in Edmonton. 25-23, they lose on a last-minute field goal to the Elks. Uh, Patty, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I don't know what else to say for uh, Stampeders fans. That's got to be as tough as they come when it comes to a loss uh, against your provincial rival in Edmonton. Yeah, that one's uh, that one's gonna hurt for a little bit there. You had the game in, uh, maybe not for a little bit, maybe hurt for for quite a while, I should say. It was, uh, it was a game you had in control heading into the fourth quarter. You know, up twenty three seven, and uh, and you know what, penalties got you. You know, it wasn't like Trey Ford beat them with his legs or his arm. I guess his arm, the deep throw, the pass interference. I guess you can say that way, but. Uh, just, just so uncharacteristic from this Calgary Stampeders group this year, and uh, we, we've seen it over the last 17 years. This team's been consistent uh, in and out of the lineup. Not, not, not really taking these dumb penalties, as you might say. I know Mike Alway was super fired up. Maybe he was a little bit too, too fired up there on Saturday with uh, with a couple of the hits that he did. But just all around, just a, just a disappointing effort. Uh, despite all the good that uh, Jake Mayer and that offense was putting together in that in that first half and, and same goes for the defense just 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 sloppy and, and just just not good enough what happened in your mind in the second half I know the fourth quarter is going to be the one that a lot of people look to and say what happened there but I mean I don't know it wasn't really just the fourth quarter for me it seemed like the entire second half maybe in reverse of what happened in at McMahon Stadium the Elks seem to have all the momentum in the, the final 30 minutes of this game yeah, I mean, like you had the the, the the two field goals to to extend your lead there in the, in the third quarter, but you know you're maybe hoping for for one of those to be a touchdown, and that's that's been the case so much with with the Stampeders this year is is maybe settling for for field goals or or turning the ball over when they they had something going that was pretty good, and then we know we all know in the CFL that no lead is safe, and and twenty three to seven that's really only a two score score lead in this league and, and the way the Elks have been playing of late with the, with the momentum that they've got since the quarterback change and just everything feels different with this Edmonton group. They've gotten healthy on that offense, getting Eugene Lewis back. was huge defensively. They've been pretty healthy all year and they've been trending upwards and, and they did a really good job. I thought, uh, you know, bottling up the run game, uh, not letting Jake uh, get those, 
spreading that ball around as much as he did in the first half. They they just they just exactly what Calgary did to them on Monday last Monday on Labor Day was uh, just 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 getting the stops when you needed to and and scoring when you had the ball. And then with with Calgary, they just couldn't get it over the hump there in the second half. And, uh, and there you go. Just Edmonton was, was able to capitalize on, be it maybe, maybe the questionable call there at the end on Brad Muhammad that, that set up Dean Faithful and his winner. But just, just, it was just Edmonton felt like they wanted it more when it, when it came down to there in the fourth quarter, because that was really it. Edmonton needed to win that game to have any sort of chance at, at continuing on this season, really. And, and right now, even though it, it's probably not looking good for either team, uh, Edmonton definitely needed that game. What did you make of the play of Jake Mayer? 21 of 29 on the night, 210 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It kind of felt like he was in the same boat as a lot of the players. I really liked his first half uh, for sure. But again, I don't know if I, I don't want to put it all on him, but it certainly feels like more could have been done in the second half. Well, for sure. I mean, that's what you want from, from your starting quarterback and, and you're expecting it from Jake Mayer. He talked about it last week, how, how the offense was feel like it gets going and then it goes through a little bit of a lull. And, and even with Jake, he doesn't know what, what's happening and why it happens to this group so often. And, and we've been talking about it. They need to put together a complete game uh, to have any sort of chance. Like really, they could have beat Edmonton, but were you going to feel better about them going into the bye week? Sure. But then, like you're still technically two and a half games back in Saskatchewan with, with really only like five games to play. Cause you have two bye weeks here at the, here at the end. So like, I, I don't know, man, this it's, it's just so weird. Like they were so good in the first half clicking with Reggie clicking with Markin and, and whatnot. But you know, the running game, obviously like Diedrich Mills, not being there, you couldn't get your, your two headed monster approach going with, with, with Mills and Carey and, I really think they wanted to do that in the second half, and Edmonton really clued in on them and, and really shut down the run and, and forced Jake to maybe maybe do a little bit more than he than he was capable of. But really, I thought it was such a good first half that this should be a team that you should be able to go out and do it again in the second half. I just it's baffling right now, and I hope they do a lot of soul searching this week because because they're running out of time quick here. Uh, defensively, the question for us heading into this one, Patty, was slowing down Trey Ford and the legs because. Uh, that's what clearly got them into trouble in uh, in the first half. And he still finishes with eight carries for 82 yards, but it felt like the Stampeders made him use his arm more. And at least in the first yep. half, again, stunning. We keep talking about the first half. Uh, they were able to force him into a couple of mistakes. How did you feel they handled uh, Trey Ford in the second game of this uh, two-game set? I thought they did a, a lot better job on him than they did on Labor Day. And, I, and I, maybe it was Dozier coming down to, to just add more speed. I think there was the, I think they, they, they felt like they didn't want that to happen to them again, like again on Monday, to have that type of quarterback run all over that defense. And I think, obviously, like a guy like Micah Alway took it to heart. You, if you heard the halftime speech there uh, before he went into, into the break there, it was, it was passionate. It was fired up. And that's what you want from, from your players. But, but maybe it carried through to the second half. He had the, he had the, the, the hit on the head there that, that wasn't smart. And Dave talked about we had to do everything possible to, 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 do the, to stop Trey Ford legally. And, and they did a, mostly a pretty good job on him. And like I said, it was, it was, the, it was the touchdown to Mitchell there, the Dylan Mitchell there in the, in, the, in, the, in the fourth. And then the ball deep that Brad Muhammad got caught on for the pass interference that was really the two big plays that Trey Ford made that, that turned, the, turned the tide there in the second half because – I mean, you, you really for that type of quarterback, and and you seeing him in such short period of time, like you can't you can't really complain about what they did on him. They did a pretty good job. 
Yeah, it certainly felt like they had a better hold on him, but as he wasn't able to rush as much, uh, then came the defense of trying to stop Kevin Brown, who obviously had that that long one, but finished the night at 143 yards. Did you feel like maybe the expense of trying to stop Trey Ford left a, a hole open for Kevin Brown when it came to rushing the ball? Yeah, totally. I think it was probably just because Edmonton knew they, they probably couldn't run Trey Ford the same way they did on, on the Labor Day, that they had to maybe save him for a potential comeback late in the game, have those legs fresh. Because maybe that, that's kind of what happened to Edmonton on Labor Day is they, they used up all their, their energy and their gusto in the first half, and it kind of faded. Maybe they got a little tired, and Calgary took advantage of that. And, and Kevin Brown popping off in the first quarter, getting that touchdown, that was, that was big. I know, I know that was another sticking point with the defense. They can't have those long runs. And then the rest of the way, like Brown just worked on him and worked on him. And that's how you have a successful offense. I still think in this league is you need, you look at Winnipeg and you see what they do with Brady Oliver and you see what trying to do with, with Edmonton and Kevin Brown and what they've got going on. It's something that Calgary has lacked this year. And, and yes, Kadeem Terry has been hurt, but outside of the, the one game where Dedrick Mills goes off against Toronto, the running game has been pretty much nonchalant for this team. And I think for Calgary to be successful, going forward they need that run game to to work on for them the same way it does did for Edmonton in this one and I think uh, overall it maybe just prioritize that for Edmonton and and it, it turned out to be successful because they kind of did flip the script on them one of the bigger storylines we talked about heading into the game Saturday was the injuries of the Sam linebacker spot Brandon Dozier moved into that spot Nick Taylor took over at the safety position uh, so a couple of guys playing in spots we weren't necessarily used to seeing them in, Patty. Uh, for those two, respectfully, how did you see uh, their debuts go at the new positions they were forced into on Saturday? I mean, like, uh, it's, it's obviously tough to be learning a new position halfway through the year. And, I mean, Nick Taylor's an experienced guy that he's played all the secondary positions. So it wasn't really a, a worrisome there with, with Nick Taylor and heading in. I thought they did a, did a, did a pretty good job. And if, and if Brandon Dozier has to – to fill in there at that spot again uh, coming up in a couple weeks. And I think he, he's going to do an admirable job because right now they don't have a lot of options. Uh, Michael Griffin could be back after the after the bye week as he was only placed on the one game. But obviously losing Titus Wall is, is going to be, be huge. And, and whether or not he returns this season is, is serene to be seen. But uh, I think for, for what Dozier was asked to do in that position, I, I thought they did a pretty good job. Obviously, and I think like we talked about it there on Friday, and I've talked about it before. I think it was just the, the the second level speed helps out. I thought you know they were all three of the linebackers were flying all around the field. So uh, we'll see what happens again in, in a couple weeks. I mean Montreal provides a different challenge. I mean they also have a a pretty active quarterback with the speed and Cody Fajardo and and William Standback is also a uh, a premier running back in this game. So it'll be another tough test uh, in in a couple weeks. But for right now it's it's try to get healthy and and uh, enjoy this bye week because next week's practice is it's going to be intense because it, it's go time because we talked about me and Maddie talked about it on, on Saturday during the Stamps Hour. Uh, the Stamps maybe could afford one loss the rest of the way, and you were assuming they were going to sweep Edmonton, but right now it's go time for this team because it, it's not looking good. You're essentially three and a half back as a sketch when you've got the crossover that you're fighting with Hamilton, but you obviously have to pass them. You've got the only head-to-head coming up at the end of the month. Uh, the logo, they, they really cannot afford another loss the rest of the way, but we're waiting for this team to put more than one win together, and they just haven't done it. And, yes, we kind of knew this was going to be a transition year. Maybe it just wasn't going to be this bad. 
Yeah, let's let's dive into that a little bit more because that playoff run, I mentioned it just as we were getting out of hour one. I, I don't remember a year under Dickinson and, and Huffnagel in the organization where the path to the playoffs has been this confusing or this murky for the Calgary Stampeders because, look, Montreal, Hamilton, it seems like the crossover is probably by far, even though you've got a game against Saskatchewan, still mm-hmm. your best option to get into the playoffs, but... You know, you look at the back half of this season for the Calgary Stampeders, you've got games against BC, Winnipeg to close things out. I'm kind of with you. It's it's hard to say that at this point in the season that you have to, to win your way out if you're the Calgary Stampeders, but I don't know what other choice they have. And even with that, I don't know if it's enough to get them into the postseason. Exactly. And, like, you might say, like, oh, well, the schedule will benefit them well. They have, they have the two bye weeks in the second half of the year. That'll help them because they'll, be they'll be trying to get healthy. They'll be in a playoff spot. Well, that only helps if you were actually in a playoff spot. If you were in maybe a BC or Saskatchewan spot where maybe these two bye weeks would help because right now you need all the games you can get. Uh, Saskatchewan's schedule is fairly run-of-the-mill around down the way. Hamilton, pretty easy. They got Ottawa a couple times. So, yeah, man, like, I don't, it hasn't happened in the Dave Dickinson, John Huffnagel era. Dave Dickinson's never been on a losing team, quarterback or coach in the CFL, and that, that's amazing. It, it, this is totally unseen territory for the Calgary Stampeders. We're talking 2004 was the last time they missed the postseason, and, and right now, like, I'm not, like, I don't want to say it's, it's going to happen, but, like, yeah, we, we think, yeah, the East crossover might be their best way to the playoffs, but you and I both know the, the Western team never has success coming through the East. They, mm-hmm. they maybe get to the East final, but they can't get over that hump to the Grey Cup. So, sure, you want to get through the, the West Division because it, it's not as much travel and everything like that. But if you're trying to find ways to get to the postseason, it might be through that Eastern side because of what Hamilton has. To, like We don't know when Bo Levi could be back. He could be back for that game on the 30th. Who knows? But even when Bo Levi was healthy with Hamilton, he wasn't all that great. And I think Ottawa... Uh, there was talk when we were talking right after they beat Calgary, which was happened to be their last win. We were talking, oh, is Ottawa maybe uh, the fourth best team in the CFL? So, no, they aren't obviously right now. So Calgary just has to do their job, win against Montreal in a couple weeks, win against Hamilton, and then we'll see what happens come October. BC is going to be a tough game going into there, and then Saskatchewan here—that's for the season series. And then you don't know what Winnipeg. What, there's a good chance the Bombers are going to be resting everybody in that last week of the year. So. Uh, time is obviously running out. They probably have to run the table, but they have to start by winning the games against teams that they have to chase, and that's right now Hamilton and Montreal. Uh, we mentioned heading into the bye week, maybe not favorable for the Calgary Stampeders when it comes to you know needing to make up ground as far as the playoff race goes, but is there any positive that can come from this? Is you know getting healthy down the stretch something that can happen if you're the Calgary Stampeders? I'm assuming that's probably a glass half full look at it if you're Dave Dickinson and company and say, hey, look, we have to make this final push. At least this gives us a chance to maybe get a couple of guys back and ready to go uh, if we want to make this playoff push. Yeah, I mean, you're hoping you can get Titus Wall back before the end of the year. Obviously, he's placed on the sixth game. Uh, so this was game one. Uh, well, next week will be two, three. So it's setting up that he could come off the, the list late October, maybe against Saskatchewan, maybe against Winnipeg. Diedrich Mills, it was only placed on the one game, so we'll see what happens there. He should be back. But really, the long term, like you're not getting Malik Henry back, and that was a big loss from the start. I think it's right now, sure, this is the week you want to maybe mentally clean yourself up. Just, just maybe step away from football. 
and just just realize you know like, look on the grand scheme of things like get away because i know it's been a stressful year for these guys and, mm-hmm. and as positive as jake mayer and as positive as these guys can be i, I you can see it in their faces because this, this is really uncharted territory for a good chunk of these guys and and it'll be on the coaching staff to to try and pull them out because again this was uncharted territory for dave dickinson and and a lot of the coaches on this staff so they're gonna have to dig deep and and maybe find some soul searching here over this week to to really find out and and maybe, you know, like, cause, yeah, it's Edmonton and Saskatchewan this week. If Edmonton beats Saskatchewan, then they're level with you. So, really, it's just, there is no, you can't win for losing right now. The Stamps put themselves in, in this spot. So, it's really about this week. Just just try and, and get back some of that mental strength that you, you might have lost through the summer here. Yeah, it feels like heading into Week 15, the best news that could come from this Calgary Stampeders is kind of hoping that they get some favors done on the scoreboard you kind of hope another Montreal loss to Toronto maybe the Elks I don't even know how you want to see Edmonton Saskatchewan do you want to just see Saskatchewan win to to push Edmonton further away from you or do you just want to see them maybe bring Saskatchewan down a peg and closer to you I have no idea how you want to see that hammer out right now now, like I'm I'm not trusting Saskatchewan one bit no get through the overtime game against Winnipeg where, well, hey, Winnipeg easily could have beat them in that one. And then they, they show up at IG on Saturday and get the doors blown off of them. Yeah. So I don't trust Saskatchewan with Jake Dolagala. I think Edmonton might be better than Saskatchewan is right now, and, and they could potentially catch them. So right now, it's, it, it sucks so much the Calgary blew that game to Edmonton. Yeah. It, it hurt them so much. They needed that. They would have taken the season series with the Elks, regardless of what Edmonton did to Saskatchewan this week. And so now you're like, yeah, well, Edmonton wins. They tie us. And we worry about them later on. So you're probably pulling for the Elks a little bit this week to keep Saskatchewan from pulling away. Uh, but again, out east, you just want to see Hamilton and, and Montreal lose, I think. Yeah, maybe even Ottawa, if VC can pick yeah. up a win on Saturday there to, yeah. to push things out, just to be a little bit safer. But again... It's well. I mean, you've pretty much got to look. I don't think Hamilton's beating Winnipeg on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. based on how good the Bombers look. But you've got to try to find every little advantage right. in the schedule right now if you're the exactly. Calgary Stampeders, because the path just is very tough right now. Either way you look at it, crossover or uh, even in your own division, and that's not something we're used to seeing. And I think it's something that Dave Dickinson, you mentioned the coaching staff there, Patty. The last point we'll get to here is, you know, they've probably got as much soul searching to do as the rest of the team does right now. Yeah, and exactly like uh, and like you heard it maybe on the broadcast on on Saturday that that Dave Dickinson has taken more of a control in the play calling and and you definitely saw that I think in the first half it did look like an old Stampeder offense moving down the field uh, looked like Bo a little bit there with Jake Mayer and and uh, again we don't know what really <laughs> what went on that second half I uh, didn't really have a chance to, to, to chat with Dave there yesterday, but um, we'll chat with him this week and, and we'll really find out what, what went on there on, on, on Saturday in, in that second half. Because it was really confusing just watching it from just seeing it, that team blow it like that. But you're right. Like, it is a big week for, for the, the coaching staff and John Huffnagle to just, just keep these guys mentally focused because it's not over. As tough as the road may seem, you just got to go out there and win your next game, and that's all they can do. Uh, Patty, appreciate the time as always, pal. Uh, enjoy the bye week. We'll hook up with you guys next week uh, as we get set for the Calgary Stampeders final five games of the year. 100% logo. You take care, buddy. Thanks, pal. Patrick Dumas joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline.
the man of many titles here on Sports at 960, producer for the big show with Russick and Rose. You can also hear him with Matty Rose on the Stamps Hour most Saturdays here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and one of our outstanding Stampeders reporters as well for the station. Uh, Calgary Stampeders fall to the Edmonton Elks uh, on Saturday, 25-23, fall to 4-9, and nine, now on a bye week, and then they will welcome in the Montreal Alouettes to McMahon Stadium Saturday, September 23rd. Uh, it's as tough a road to the playoffs as I can remember for the Calgary Stampeders at this point. Uh, and I think it was, you know, I think we pretty much said it there with, with Patty during that conversation. If you want to make the playoffs right now and you're the Calgary Stampeders, your mentality has to be winning these last five games. And even that might not get you in there based on how this season's gone for Calgary. Is it possible? I, I never want to say never. I still think this is a very talented group, but, the fact of the matter is they haven't been able to put it together two weeks in a row. Uh, it's frustrating from penalties to offense disappearing to, you know, maybe conservative play call. I don't know what it is, but it's always something with this group and we can bring it up every single week. And for the Calgary Stampeders, we won't be able to do it this week. It's on a bye. Uh, hopefully everyone gets healthy. Hopefully everyone gets a chance to reset because if you're, I, I mean, we talked maybe a loss here. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a loss to be had even in those games late in the season against BC and Winnipeg, who might not have much to play for as far as their standings go. They could still be huge games for Calgary. Talk about Montreal, talk about Hamilton, Saskatchewan. All of those could be potential massive games for the Calgary Stampeders. And the bad part right now, I have no idea what team is going to show up to the table in any of those games. The the offense has a potential to pop off for 40. Absolutely. The defense has a potential to drop a, a bad game and give up 40 to the D, to the offense uh, on the other side. Special teams, penalties, all of the other aspects for this Calgary Stampeders group, it just hasn't come together in the right direction at any point for them this season, and that is the biggest reason why they're 4-9 and nine and staring down uh, the first fall in a long time here in Calgary where we won't be talking about the Stampeders in the CFL postseason. I hope that's not what happens. I... I Love the CFL postseason. I hope we get to talk about the Stampeders when it's all said and done. I just, looking at this objectively, I don't know right now how it gets done, even if this team finds a way to go on a winning streak following their bye. We'll see what happens. Hopefully I'm wrong about that, but uh, we'll be talking about the Stampeders and the Montreal Alouettes in week 16 when they're back from their bye week. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. NFL. Week one, almost in the books. Monday night or tonight, Jets and Bills. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll also have an NFL recap, go over some of the most exciting and unexpected scores from the Sunday that was. And we've even got a giveaway to kick off this week on Sportsnet today. That all around the corner. Monday edition of the program is live here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's flash you back to yesterday. Sunday, September 10th, the first... NFL Sunday of the year, a full slate of games. Let's go through some of our favorites from the weekend, some upsets, some highlights, some lowlights. We'll start with the Seattle Seahawks and the LA Rams. How about this one? Big divisional battle to start the year. Who are the LA Rams? Are they the team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago? 
What's happening with Matt Stafford? Cooper Cup's on the IR. It seems like this is the perfect spot for comeback player of the year, Geno Smith, to start things off right at home against the Rams. It didn't go so great for Seattle. Motion. The pitch. Akers in. Touchdown. Cam Akers into the end zone in the fourth quarter. Puts the touch, uh, finishing touches on this one. Rams 30, Seahawks 13. Seattle shut out in the second half of this ball game and lose at home to the Rams. Here's Geno Smith after a disappointing week one outcome for Seattle. They're a good team, and they got, you know, they, they're a couple years removed from winning the Super Bowl. You know, they got some key players there who helped them do it. And so, um, you know, I'm surprised. Yes, I am. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect to come out and, and, uh, and, and lose at all, let alone in this fashion. Well, you did, Gino, and now you're 0-1. How about the Packers and the Bears? <laughs> Another NFC uh, divisional showdown, this time in the NFC North. Bears fans must be so excited. you got to be thrilled. Aaron Rodgers is gone. He owns your team. Somebody else is in there. He can't possibly own your team the same way that Aaron Rodgers did, right? Right? Love looking to throw a fade far side. It is caught for the touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, number two. Oh, poor Chicago Bears. Jordan Love. The Jordan Love era is here, and apparently it's just like the Aaron Rodgers era because they win in Chicago. Romeo Dobbs, two touchdowns on just four receptions. Jordan Love goes 15-27, to 27, 245 yards through the air, including three touchdown passes. He talked about getting the season opening win over their division rival, Chicago. Obviously my first game in this rivalry, so obviously first half was close, and second half I just... The way we bounced back and came out there in the second half and just total domination uh, felt good. I bet it did. Justin Fields goes 24 of 37 for the Bears. One touchdown, one interception, not able to get the running game going uh, as much as he would have hoped. He throws for just 216 yards. Bears fall to 0-1 to start the season. How about this one? The San Francisco 49ers kicking their season off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're wondering about Brock Purdy. Just how good can he be? as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Now that Trey Lance is out of the picture, it was a pretty good start this season for Brock Purdy and the Niners. Second and 12, back to the air. Purdy looking end zone. Brandon Ayuk, he's got his second touchdown. Contested catch against Patrick Peterson. Not bad for Brandon Ayuk. Eight targets, eight receptions, 129 yards receiving to go with two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey added 152 yards rushing on 22 carries, helping Brock Purdy, who went 19 of 29, 220 yards, and two touchdowns to help the 49ers eviscerate the Steelers on night one of their season. 30-7 to is your final. San Fran moves to 1-0. Kyle Shanahan impressed with his young quarterback picking up a win. I thought Brock had a good game, uh, made some big plays, um, got some explosives there and some tight windows. Um, you know, we had some issues in protection, not just issues that we knew that were going in. Um, hope he can hold on to it when those do happen, just so we don't turn it over and fumble. Um, but I thought Brock did a, had a hell of a game. 
Let's go to Minnesota Vikings and Buccaneers. This one's for Pat. The Buccaneers moving on from Tom Brady. They've gone to Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. He got the start against the Minnesota Vikings, would continue to battle this one through all the way until the fourth quarter. Chris Godwin with a key catch to keep the drive alive as the Buccaneers look to get into field goal range. Mayfield, quick pass. Godwin, did he hang on? He did! What a catch by Godwin! And that is going to send everyone in Minnesota home. 20-17 to the final thanks to this Chase McLaughlin field goal for Tampa Bay. Kick on the way. Does he have enough? He does. It's good. A big kick for McLaughlin, and the Bucks take the lead. Vikings fall to 0-1 against the suddenly upstart Buccaneers. Not a great stat line, but enough to get the win for Baker Mayfield. 21 of 34, 173 through the air, two touchdown passes. Kirk Cousins goes 33 of 44, 344 yards through the air, two touchdowns, one interception, a couple of fumbles as well. Vikings got Justin Jefferson going. He had 150 yards receiving, but it was not enough. And Kevin O'Connell, uh, head coach of the Vikings, says it's a pretty disappointing way for his team to start the year. Everybody's got to look inward, and, and we got to push, persevere together. Um, this, uh, this is not our first time dealing with adversity, um, and my hope is we'll, we'll circle back on some of that experience and play our uh, best possible game we can play Thursday night. Let's look ahead to another AFC North battle. It's the Browns and the Bengals. This one could have been a a matchup between two great teams heading into the year. Rain affecting things in Cleveland, but it certainly affected one team maybe more than the other. The Browns come out of this with a 24-3 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, who many have Super Bowl aspirations for. Joe Burrow has a rough night, 14-31 of throwing for just 82 yards, and on top of that, had to deal with Miles Garrett chasing him around all day long. Deshaun Watson, uh, starting quarterback for the Browns, not much better, but enough to get the victory. 16 of 29, 154 yards through the air, including this touchdown pass that really got it going for the Browns. Take the handoff. Watson the flip. Touchdown! Bryant with the grab. Harrison Bryant with the catch, and he goes uh, only two receptions on the night for the tight end, but that touchdown enough to put it away in the fourth quarter. Here is Joe Burrow, the highest-paid quarterback in the league after a disappointing loss to the season to start out against Cleveland. Stuff like this happens. We've been here before. We're going to come back stronger. Going to have a good week of practice, get better this week, come back next Sunday, hopefully get a win. And last but certainly not least, it was an embarrassment for the New York Giants with all eyes on them on Sunday Night Football. Third and 19. Jones gets it out. Barkley got hit. Fumbled right in the air. And it flies into the hands for a touchdown of Deron Bland. The Dallas Cowboys making every play. Mike Tirico on the call. They made every play all night long in front of 80,000 at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Dallas Cowboys stomp out the Giants in an NFC East battle. 40 to nothing is your final score. 
Dak Prescott doesn't even throw for a touchdown. He doesn't need to. Tony Pollard would rush 14 times for 70 yards. Two touchdowns on the night. Saquon Barkley couldn't get anything going. He had 12 carries for 51 yards. Did not reach the end zone, obviously, as the Giants are shut out on night one. Daniel Jones. I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was the lack of help from his offensive line. If the Cowboys were just a step ahead of them, but it was ugly for Daniel Jones at home. 15 of 28, 104 yards passing, two touch, uh, two interceptions, no touchdowns. That is good for a QBR of 32.4. Cam, I know you probably don't know a lot about QBR. That's a very bad score to get at QBR. Yeah, even as someone who's learning football, I looked at the score for that game. I saw the zero on the end of it. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, not good. <laughs> not, not, not good at all. You don't want a, a QBR of, of 32. That's not good. Uh, that, uh, some of the exciting games from Sunday. You also had a big win for the Miami Dolphins over the Chargers in a high-scoring affair, uh, but still left Monday night football. It's the Bills. It's the New York Jets, another AFC East matchup. Looking forward to this one. It is a 6-15 kickoff tonight from MetLife Stadium. The Jets hosting the Bills in their first game with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback for the Jets, following in the footsteps of one Brett Favre. This should be a good one. Really looking forward to it. We'll bring you all the details on this matchup a little bit later on uh, tomorrow uh, as part of our edition of Sportsnet today. Uh, We'll recap the Monday nighter between the Bills and the Jets as they close out week one of NFL action. Uh, It's been an exciting one. Looking forward to it. Week two kicks off on Thursday. It's the Vikings and the Eagles in Philly. Philly with a big win in week one avoiding a comeback at the hands of the New England Patriots. Away from the NFL, big matchup tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. Baseball on your radios coming up a little bit later on tonight. Does it get any bigger than this for the Toronto Blue Jays? They're taking on the Texas Rangers. Been a good stretch for Toronto, finishing off that sweep against the Royals. They currently have a lead over Seattle and Texas. When it comes to the AL wild card, next four games from Toronto start tonight. Chris Bassett is on the mound for the Jays. That's good news. He's 14 and seven on the year, holding an outstanding ERA of 3.69, 158 strikeouts for the Toronto Blue Jays. Dane Dunning going for Texas. He is nine and six on the year, 3.88 ERA with 115 strikeouts of his own Jays have released their lineup for tonight's game. It looks like this George Springer leads off and will play right field. You got Bo Bichette playing shortstop followed by Vladimir Guerrero jr. At first base, Brandon belt will DH and bat fourth Davis Schneider at second batting fifth. Somehow Kevin Biggio is in the lineup at third base. Taylor will be really happy. Disrespecting. Kevin Biggio. Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. He's batting seventh. Dalton Varsho's in left, batting eighth. And the best number nine hitter in baseball, Kevin Kiermeyer at center field and batting ninth for your Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, uh, one time Toronto Blue Jay. Very good Blue Jay. Still very good Texas Ranger. Uh, Marcus Simeon leads things off and plays second base for Texas again. 507 first pitch. Listen right here across the Sportsnet radio network or. Sportsnet Television Network, if you would like to watch Kevin Biggio go 0 for 4 tonight, just for Taylor. He's not going to go 0 for 4. (laughs) 
He Actually, don't surely. hope he goes over for. I want to see them win. He's going to get a couple walks because it's Kevin Biggio, and that's what he does best is getting walks. And then he's also going to get multiple RBIs because I say so. Hmm. Because you say so. That'll really? do it. Yep. That's wow. it. Write it in. Put it in paper. We've got the audio. Save it for tomorrow, Cam. <laughs> I'll book it. Uh, as far as our show wrapping up, thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work today. Thank you to Bick Nazar and Patrick Dumas for joining us. Thank you for listening live uh, or on the podcast. Appreciate it as always. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Recap of Monday Night Football between the Jets and the Bills. We'll see what Game 1 brings us between the Rangers and the Blue Jays. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to uh, actual Flames hockey. It's getting exciting as we turn it into fall here. But we'll get out of the way. This has been Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.